0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Thirst of Knowledge Podcast, episode 50. I'm James Evers. I'm Justin.
1: And I'm Seth Tardiff.
2: And today on the episode, it is History of Beer, part six, Prohibition, side A.
1: Yes, it sure is. And this is a huge episode. This is a great episode. You guys are really going to enjoy this. We really enjoyed it. And we are talking about... The things that led up to prohibition of alcohol in the United States of America. We're talking the temperance movement, all the other co-movements that happened along with that, saloon culture, liquor versus beer, big industries backing temperance, the ratification of the 18th Amendment, and so much more. This episode is just jam-packed. I hope you guys enjoy this one. So join us as we go down the rabbit hole
0: with bathtub brews, cold cordials, and saloon cervezas in the history of beer. Well,
1: guys, we made it. 50 episodes 50 episodes 5 after we finish this one we can retire the podcast if we wanted to it's true why wait
2: no it was 69 episodes we'd have to retire oh it. damn it that's right Sorry. 69. 69
1: episodes is when we're done getting ahead of myself yeah all right well we'll see you in episode 69 <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll
2: talk we'll t- talk retirement then in the meantime though this is a special episode Yes. Aside from being our 50th. It's
0: history of beer.
2: History of beer.
0: Yeah. Part, part what? Part six. Part six. Prohibition.
1: Prohibition. 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 Yep. What did Prohibition prohibit? Well, that's what this episode's going to be about. I'm, I'm excited to learn. I'm very excited. I've been, I'm pouring, thirsty. been pouring over Prohibition stats and knowledge and fun facts for the past couple weeks here and there is a lot guys oh it's
0: quite
2: a bit i'm like i'm worried we're gonna leave stuff out because there's so much but i want to do it all justice but this is a i mean yeah this isn't a prohibition podcast and we could do a whole series on just prohibition this is the history of beer
1: during prohibition yes and there's i mean there's no beer right because it wasn't
0: so then we're done
1: yeah, I yeah think that's, that's it. it. All right. Yeah. All right, we'll see you All on right. Beer, Part 7. Okay. <laughs> no, but seriously guys. So, on today's episode we are talking prohibition and the biggest source the biggest source material that we used for this episode for me anyways was the 2011 mini series Prohibition a film by Ken Burns and Lynn Novick which was based on a 2010 book called Last Call: The Rise and Fall of Prohibition by Daniel Okrent. Hmm. Yeah. Which
2: he was, he did a lot of interview on that in the documentary, right?
1: Mr. Okrent? (laughs) Maybe. I don't remember. (laughs) I was so busy, like, um, paying attention to what everybody had to say i forgot all the historians names and stuff like that and i didn't actually take notes on the historians names uh, but i did take a lot of notes did you guys
0: have a favorite historian there though there was one dude that i liked whenever he came on because he was he was more like a laid-back cool old guy with like a beard pete hamill let me see let me see. It was Pete Ham. I remember because I was like, man,
2: I could listen to that guy talk for yeah, hours. Yeah, he was just like a down-to-earth dude. I dude was like, uh.
1: that guy, yeah, his quote at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold on, let me see a picture of him just to make sure it's the right guy. Yes, okay, yeah, so that guy has a quote at the end that I will when we get to the end. It's it's so great. It's yeah. so great. Um, but I highly recommend watching... The documentary, it's five and a half hours. Yeah, it's good, though. But it's so good. It's so engaging. And there's so many fun facts and so many things that are relevant to the world today. Like, and this was 2011. But if you watch it through the lens of 2020, it is insane how many parallels. History is repeating
2: itself. Yeah, it's wild.
1: You got to be like... a. You don't have to be a genius,
0: but like you, if you just studied history, you could take over the world because it, it repeats itself so often. It's like, how do I take advantage of this situation now? Basically. Yeah. And it's like,
1: Jesus. And this is a great example of that. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah.
0: Part of my source material, in addition
2: to the Ken Burns documentary Prohibition, was also from a seven part podcast series from Wondery. Um, based
1: on Prohibition as well. Yeah, I came across that, but I just didn't... Like, I, I forgot to download it this week, so I was not, like... <laughs> yeah, I was not listening to it. Plus
2: other online various, like, little... Yeah. Of
1: course, yeah. ...thingies. Yeah.
2: Online thingies.
1: Yeah, articles we online. and web pages you know, and things.
2: This is professional.
1: Yeah. Okay, so let, let's get into it, guys. Let's... Let, so, in our previous... Episode of the history of beer, we kind of covered some things that were happening during the while the temperance movement was happening, mm-hmm. but we left the temperance movement out so that we could cover it here. So we're slightly backtracking from the point in time where we left off in the last episode so that we can specifically cover the temperance movement bec- and some other events that helped lead up to the prohibition of alcohol in the United States, which is directly related to the ratification of the 18th amendment to the United States constitution. So um, there, there's a few factors that started to lead into all of this. And one of those was just the fact that along with um, drinking beer Higher alcohol whiskey was actually becoming more popular at the time. People were getting, or it appeared anyways, that people were getting drunker quicker. And alcohol was becoming a scapegoat for a lot of the problems that were happening in the day's society. I think they
0: they said that people were just casually drinking 2% beers all the time. Oh, yeah. And then then people just started jumping on whiskey and that's like fuck what is that like 40 50 percent alcohol you're going just basically drinking extract
1: you're going 0 to 60 yeah yeah
0: so then there's like that huge because they used to have grog time which I wish they still had (laughs) (laughs) right
2: (laughs) which was there would be like a in the town there would be just like a almost like a church bell that rang and it would be uh, to signify grog time and everybody would stop what they were doing at work and they would just enjoy uh a nice, beer. A nice rum grog. It wasn't high drink. ABV though. It no. right? It was a yeah. low
0: ABV yeah. beverage. Yeah. They said something about having like a a bucket of sight hard cider at the door, mm-hmm. and you just scoop it up when you walked yeah. in and drank mm-hmm. some.
2: And that was a big thing up in New England was hard the, the, the hard cider. Yep. And they would have that barrel right in the entranceway of the door. You walk in.
1: Scoop up a nice big (laughs)
2: frothy mug and, you know, you just end your night deliciously.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So as these problems started to become apparent with people and alcohol, we start to see these groups pop up that want to kind of fight against the consumption of alcohol. One of those first groups was the Washingtonian Society, Mm. which got half a million men to sign the Washingtonian Pledge which was basically that they weren't going to consume alcohol. And they were a temperance fellowship that was founded in 1840 in Baltimore, Maryland. And the idea was that by relying on each other and sharing their alcoholic experiences, they could help keep each other sober. It sounds like almost like
2: an original AA group.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when I watched the first documentary,
0: I was kind of in the position of the temperance movement. I was like, dang, this kind of makes sense why all these women were getting upset with their with their men counterparts because they were like coming home drunk and like beating them up and raping them and shit, right? Yeah. And yeah. they weren't, they were like, they Plus, were getting paid on Friday or whatever and they'd spend it all on Saturday and they'd have no money for their families. So then it makes sense. <laughs> it started to make sense to me more.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, it, so... Yes, these groups start popping up uh, shortly after the Washington Inn Society. You have um, prohibition, or a, a, a prohibitionist movement in Portland, Maine that passes a law in 1851 making you know the sale and manufacturing of alcohol illegal in Maine or in Portland. And immediately, people yeah. started bootlegging. <laughs> like it, when there was no lag there. Which is crazy, like, and that and that was that's just a small snapshot into what will be prohibition in the 1920s. Um, but basically, what happens is, um, as the Civil War is right around the corner, the temperance, these these groups and everything, the, all that stuff kind of slows down because everybody's preoccupied with a war in America. You know what I mean? And on top of that a third of government funds that were um, being made during the Civil War were coming from alcohol tax. Yeah. yeah. A and third.
2: A third. In 1862, the government passed the uh, uh, basically a, a tax on all alcoholic sales. And to like you said, to help pay for the war, yep. they were charging $1 for every keg of beer and 20 cents for every gallon of distilled spirits. And like you said, yeah, over just a few short years, this became like a third of the entire federal budget relied specifically on the sale of alcohol.
1: So they couldn't, like, there was no way any kind of prohibition was going to get passed during the Civil War. It just wasn't. So this slowed those temperance movements slightly until after the Civil War. Um, And another fun fact, which... I didn't know. I don't know if you guys knew this about bootlegging was yeah. the origination of the term bootlegging. It's kind of funny, yeah. It
2: was like uh, soldiers would have like hide like a flask in their boot, right? That's
1: exactly what it is.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I was like, oh my
1: god, that makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah, I'd never heard of that before, which is crazy. I, I can't like, it's such a weird term, right? Like, I, yeah, yeah,
0: I don't know. So before we like move ahead, the 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 whole movement of the the temperance movement and why these women were, and men were pissed off at alcohol was because there were so many people drinking. In that documentary, they said something like, "At the time, the pe like men and I think it's just men, but 15 year olds and higher were drinking on average 88 bottles of whiskey a year, <laughs> which is three yeah. times more than what we drink
1: now. That's wild. From age 15 and up, but you got to think that it." It wasn't the whole population. No, right. And that's one of the things and that becomes one of the lessons that we kind of will will learn through Prohibition was that they were not everybody has a problem with alcohol. For sure. Yeah, but and there was
0: a lot of consumption going on for there sure was
1: there definitely there definitely was if there wasn't a problem These move if there wasn't some kind of problem yeah. These movements wouldn't have started right, you know, it's just it for some reason And this is one of those lessons that can be learned throughout this whole thing is that we always react So hard in one direction, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, all right, let's fuck it let's get rid of all the alcohol yeah. we can't do it anymore like a couple of people have this problem we need to save everyone from the evil mm. and you'll see that see that come up so one of uh, the next movements that happens is a community of women in ohio start a movement to stop the pre- the prescription of alcohol by doctors and druggists and women marched in this led to a larger movement where 911 communities in 31 states had women's marches and they <laughs> got 1,300 liquor sellers to shut down. Was that the same group that was like going around smashing shit up? No. Okay. No, you're thinking of Carry Nation. We will get no, to Carrie Nation <laughs> okay. very, very shortly. <laughs> okay. Um, so, this a- after a couple of years, though, the saloons just started to reopen. Yeah, because there was a demand for alcohol. Like these women had start. This is like the very beginning of what will be the the women's Christian Temperance Movement. You know, which was the the big yeah thing. But um, yeah, I mean it, it, it's crazy because you have these small microcosms, like in in Portland, and then again uh, the that small group in Ohio, which branches out to many communities across the states. But then it just doesn't last. Fizzles out. Like we, it fizz, Because you know that there's still people there that want to drink alcohol. Those women had things to do, right? Besides go and protest. They had families to take care of, right? I mean, I would imagine a lot of them were probably protesting because yeah. they were directly affected. Can't protest 24-7. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, n- now we get to the point. Now- I- please let me stop you real quick
2: around this time in America, there is a big surge of, uh, immigrants coming over. Yep. And, and we, we started to see a big rise in German Americans, um, or German immigrants coming over and sort of bringing along that beer culture Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. the United States. Yep. Um, and this is where like, uh, they were starting to bring and and uh German brewers were brewing like Schlitz and um and Busch and Paps and all these different brewers would get together and they formed the what was it the German American Brewers uh, Association, Association. Mm-hmm. or no no the United States Brewers Association. This formed um in, in around like what the eighteen seventies or something like that. Yep. And and so like that's gonna play a huge crucial role in um in influencing the push for prohibition um just 20 30 years down the road oh yeah
1: yeah definitely so the next big movement and this one this one's pretty big like i was saying the women's christian temperance movement which was started by francis willard um which then also went on to unite with the women's suffrage movement, making it even larger. Mm -hmm. And you have this weird dichotomy, right, of, okay, the woman's right to vote. Like, we can almost all get behind that. You know, there was some weird people, obviously, that were stuck in their old ways. But there were far less people... In the country as a whole, that wanted to shut down alcohol. But we're like, well, we can get behind having women to vote. That'd be awesome. But it definitely gave that uniting with that movement, definitely gave the women's Christians temperance movement more power more for the other. Other yeah. Uh, objectives. Yeah. And they started to open up like branches of the movement all across the United States. And I thought that this was crazy, right? They pressured school boards to indo- indoctrinate kids to believe yeah. in the temperance movement and actually had textbooks changed to ha- insert false claims on the dangers of alcohol. For sure.
2: Yeah. Dude. It was called the Department of Scientific Temperance inst- uh, Instruction. Oh, my God. Who was running that <clears throat>
0: too? That lady? I don't remember her name.
2: Uh, Mary Hunt, I believe, is in charge of that. She was
0: getting kickbacks to get her stamp on the fucking books as approved by the women's temperance movement. Oh, my God. uh,
2: (laughs) It's not that far off. First of all, yes, it's anti-alcohol indoctrination in schools. Um, but it's not that far off from our normal D.A.R.E. programs that For we have sure. in our modern-day schools oh, now. Yeah and, yeah,
0: and sex ed from even back further, like in the 50s and stuff, when they would do sex education and be like, yeah, what if I don't use a condom? Well, you'll die. You'll oh, die. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. like,
1: what? Yeah, your dick will blow up. Because <laughs> they're just like, oh, it's easy to scare kids. They'll believe anything. And yeah. then they'll hold these wrong beliefs from like I a think really
0: long time. I think that's what one of those people said, too. They were like, yeah, well, they're going to vote one day.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. that's, that's so exactly what that it is. So let now. And this was in, you know what I mean? That, like, by it the time we sense. get to prohibition, these, <laughs> these kids, kids are, are of, voters. Like, yes. Yeah. And they're paying attention. It is so crazy. It's
0: kind of brilliant, though. But it is brilliant. Man, that's, that's what the they What are they
1: teaching kids right now? What are they going to be voting for in 20 or 30 years? Uh, dude, I know. It's, it's so wild. I don't even, like, I... It would be interesting to go back and look at the textbooks that we learned from when we were kids and what fucking shit they got by on us <laughs> right. that we might still believe today. You know? Yeah. Um, it, it's insane.
2: Now they they were being <clears throat> the kids were being susceptible to this anti-alcohol indoctrination program three days a week.
1: Dude, that's so much.
2: Three days a week. Wow. That,
1: I mean that's definitely some reinforcement there, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. This the your first drink could burn your throat and your, your stomach, and yeah,
2: even in your first sip or something yeah, like yeah. that.
1: Crazy stuff.
2: It was funny because as part of like this anti uh, alcohol indoctrination program, <coughs> they first of all they got kindergartners to to chant this this like ditty, um, tremble, king alcohol, we shall grow up. Oh my god! <laughs> Which is pretty fucking weird. Yeah, uh, but they, as part of the indoctrination program, they they taught the the older kids um, through like some heavy propaganda that um, even just a single drink, uh, uh, like a single drink of alcohol or a drop of alcohol or whatever one beverage can eat away your liver and kidneys. Um, it, it'll it'll cause and then. Like as part of like this um like the the propaganda itself. Almost like a reefer
1: madness type thing. Dude, I was getting reefer uh reefer madness vibes yeah. big time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like um just a single drop of alcohol is gonna cause you like uh uh lunacy, deafness, it's gonna it's gonna transfer like to, to your, your kid. kids yeah. and to your kids' kids. Wow. Yep. Um it's it's like this weird, like this is your uh, and and part of the textbooks from the anti-alcohol indoctrination program, um, I I don't know why we're getting too deep. I I just found this really fucking fascinating. It was
1: very fascinating.
2: But um, the in the curriculum they would have like, okay, so this is your liver. This is a healthy liver. Yeah. This is your liver on alcohol. This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. It's kind of like that whole yeah. same motto.
1: Oh, it definitely is. Um,
2: that yeah. I just found really got. Guy- that's pretty goddamn funny. Yeah,
1: cuz we got a lot of that like you said through our dare programs and through like the public service announcements and stuff. And you know what, looking back on it now, the funny thing is that it didn't work. It, well, it <laughs> yeah, it definitely didn't work, but you know that the people that were involved in like shooting those commercials and like all It's all bullshit. They were all drinking beers. Oh, they fuck were yeah. they were smoking. They were, you know, tripping back in the 60s and everything. Like it was a thing, you know. Yeah.
2: Now I think we should be careful when drinking these beers and the moonshine, because according to this propaganda, oh no, fuck! Drinking alcohol can cause spontaneous combustion. I
0: saw that
1: blue flames, right? So we don't want to blow up. All right. So for the rest of this podcast, we are going to be very, very careful. And to we're not, not blow. gonna blow up the plot. We're not gonna explode the <laughs> podcast. Okay. Hopefully the podcast blows up. Yes. But hopefully we don't blow up. Exactly. Exactly. So out of all of this um, all all these temperance movements comes this fascinating woman named Carrie Nation, also known as Fucking hatchet lady. The hatchet lady. Okay. Fucking crazy bitch. So, so <laughs> she was in Kansas. She was a woman in Kansas who where um her background uh, makes a little sense of why she's crazy, though, too, right? So what what was her background again?
0: Her, like, first husband left her, and then her second husband died of alcohol poisoning oh, or something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, yeah. yeah, she
0: was pissed, okay? She was pissed at alcohol. So <laughs> saloons
1: were made illegal in Kansas, but most of them continued to operate. You see this common theme here. Mm-hmm. So what she decided to do was start and go and <laughs> smash up... These establishments, like, breaking windows, you know, using her hatchet to, you know, destroy things. And there is this quote, okay, that is so ridiculous. So, she says, I don't know how much joy you will have until you smash, smash, smash. smash." (laughs) 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 It's true, though. Yeah. And, like, she got thrown in jail, but then they just released her because they're like, ah, she's, like... Smashing illegal establishments, right. we really can't
0: like do right. anything. Is she breaking the law? She's yeah,
1: yeah. So over the course of her smashing, her and her groups attacked hundreds of saloons in Kansas. Like, yeah, no, they did a they did a big. Uh,
0: they did made a difference, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> I think
0: there was a there was a part in the film where um, a bar owner put a cannon at the front door and told told them that he was going to like blow them up if they walked through the door and eventually he was like fuck this and he gave up. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: There was uh t- this she, I mean how prominent of a figure this woman was. Now she wasn't like the head of this whole temperance movement. No, not at all. But she like was she, she was, like she, a general. Yeah, she was like a she she brought up, brought along action yes. and and action and a statement that uh and and attention from the world or from america like okay yeah. this is a real movement mm-hmm. this should be taken seriously etc there was um i thought it was funny that um they showed a picture of a, a bartender in the in the film and there was a uh there was a did you see the sign above the bar Oh, I don't no. remember. It said, it said, all nations are welcome except for Carrie. Oh, that's great.
1: <laughs> that is great. Uh, yeah, man. So, like, saloons obviously are a big part of the culture during this time. And a fun fact that. I did not know, and this is like a big one uh, because it doesn't exist anymore today, but major breweries owned most of the saloons and would provide them with everything that they needed to Crazy, operate right? under the condition that that saloon owner only served that brewery's beer. Mm. Yeah.
2: just You could just be like, I want to open up a bar.
1: Yep.
0: And they'd be like, you got it. Cool. You just can only- Here's you always- your
2: license. Here's the building. Here's the furniture, the decorations, the bar, the glassware. Yep. Tables, stools. Here's free the Free lunch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. James, do you want to tell them about the uh, the hot lunch? Free lunches. You got
1: free food. What was it? Saltines. Sardines. Sardines. Nice and salty <laughs> foods. They're brilliant. Yeah. So that your your salty food, which that that still exists today, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So they would lure patrons into
0: the bars Offering a free lunch. That's how much money these places had. Like yeah. br-
1: like beer-owned breweries, you know? Oh, yeah. They had so much money. Well, imagine if Anheuser-Busch today, or AB InBev, as it is now known, today, like, had just bars everywhere. And then when you went into that bar, all you were getting was Bud Light. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, in some areas, that's kind <laughs> that's, of the case yeah. still. But you go but to that's, some small towns. That's a story
0: for another day. What um, do we got? Bud Light, Budweiser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but...
2: At this time, at this point, and and as we start getting into kind of the next big push, what was it, like eighteen ninety three or something with the establishment of the anti saloon league. league, exactly. Uh, but it, I think it's important to note that saloons were popping up all over the country. So mm-hmm. many of them, and um, I think at the turn of the tw- 30, uh, thirty at the turn of the twentieth century, there was like over three hundred thousand saloons that were
0: open. There was, okay. like, strips, like Hell's Kitchen and all that. That oh, yeah. would have, like, 500 saloons in, like, in a, in a couple, like, blocks. There was just, like, every single building was a saloon or, like, a whorehouse or something like that. There was just mm-hmm. tons of them. And these saloons, I mean, they weren't
2: just... It wasn't just a bar. It wasn't just a place to have a drink, okay? These were really, like... These were, like, social clubs for like less affluent you know like blue collar workers mm-hmm. who were just trying to um i mean at these bars at these saloons you can um you know your 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 bartender was your confidant mm-hmm. you you can cash your checks there you can cash your paychecks there you can pick up your mail yep um you can uh a lot of immigrants learned the english language in saloons mm-hmm. and right. you play cards you can play billiards um and it was also a, a way of um networking Mm -hmm. right to you know to look for a job any who's hiring in town. Yeah. And it was just more of a social club for for you know the men.
1: And it was specifically men at that time only men were allowed. Yeah. Which was crazy. Yeah.
2: Which is I mean, we'll come back to that. That's an important point for for the future and like we get to flappers and everything.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like you said, in 1893, we have the establishment of the Anti-Saloon League started in Ohio with the single goal to get rid of alcohol, period, to force every state to go dry. Mm -hmm. And they were smart, dude. They were modeled after modern businesses. They had their own printing presses and churned out propaganda like it's, they're on a mission. They were on a mission, dude. <laughs> and they they, they, were saying shit like alcohol was being pushed on consumers and that temperance is the natural state of people. And, you know, I'd have to go uh, counter to that based off of the evidence we found in one of our early History of Beer episodes mm. when after people established food and shelter their safety net their safety net their next step was to find <laughs> mind-altering substance <laughs> right yeah
2: so suck that reverend howard hyde <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah so um the the anti-saloon league was a huge political movement and they they basically started what's known as a wedge issue, and that wedge issue is temperance. And the leader of that crusade is Wayne B. Wheeler, who is an interesting figure who will probably... So
2: uh before we get into Wheeler, because, man, I really hate that guy, <laughs> but, uh like, wedge issues was an interesting piece because, yeah. so a wedge issue is... You, you pick like a, a political topic mm-hmm. whatever it is and you force people to to basically draw a line in the sand pick, Yes. you pick a side you're either with us or you're on the other side yeah. or, and and that that it's whole thinking that um kind is, of what's going on right now is exactly what's going on right now I know, dude. in our political scales mm-hmm. with with even just the blue and red red parties, mm-hmm. just
0: fucking, you pick a side. You're either you really like guns? Us, you must be a Trump
1: supporter. Or you're against us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so guns become a wedge issue, yeah. right? It's like we either have no guns or we have guns. Like right. there's no gray area. Yeah. Right. And this is a political tool that has been used for hundreds of years and it is terrible and it's what and drives it, countries apart.
2: Yeah. And it fucking works (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's happening right now (laughs) it's
1: so crazy it's so crazy Yep. so um at at this point under the helm of uh wayne wheeler the anti-saloon league starts to overshadow the women's temperance movement and um mentioning earlier reefer madness there was this film called 10 nights in a bar room Mm. Which essentially became the reefer madness of its time. So before, yeah. when we had the indoctrination of the kids in schools and everything, now we have this film that reinforces that one al- one drop of alcohol can destroy not only one man but his entire family, kills his daughter, right, or something like that. Uh, they showed clips from it. It looked really <laughs> weird, dude. <laughs> it was.
0: He got an argument with like the bar the barkeeper and the barkeeper like. Like, he ran out of money or something. The barkeeper, like, threw an ashtray, and he dodged it, and it hit his daughter's face. And a whole bunch of weird shit happened. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) See what alcohol can do? I know, dude. (laughs) Bartender will kill your daughter. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, like, it's things like that where, um, man, I, I hate to draw so many parallels to, like, what's happening in, like um you know today but, but no but it's fascinating that history's just fucking repeating itself
2: fucking over and yeah over exactly yeah. you know
1: you latch on to one thing and then it's like all right this defines everything it's like every everybody's you know like this is happening everywhere like do you know somebody that this happened to and, and you you might not but you, these films and these things that we watch can be so compelling yeah you know um yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. But um so we're we're at a point where we're getting we're getting very close to um the 18th amendment. Yeah. So at this time um there's a lot of beer that's being produced in the United States. And I think it's like close to 60 million barrels or something like that per year. And I looked up to compare to what we're making today, and it's like around 190 million barrels. So that's like... But think of the population. That's the thing, the population. So we're th- like three times as much as we were in the early 1900s. Wait, how much today? 190 million per year produced in the United States.
2: Mm. It's actually, it was more back then.
1: No no wasn't it, it? It wasn't. So this was something that I fact checked that um the 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 documentary got wrong. They said that it was nine hundred million barrels of beer, but I think that they may have been referring to um a different size. Barrel? A different yeah, so a barrel is a measure is a measurement. Right. A US barrel is thirty one gallons. So that's that's the amount that's be- might be- okay they may they may have skewed that in a different way because I was like, 900 million? That's crazy. So I actually went up on the Brewers Association's website, and I, yeah. checked, and I checked this out to look at historical records, and it was showing that there was around 60 million barrels of beer being produced oh. um, in America at that time. And then today we're at 190. That would have been fucking insane if it was 900 million barrels of beer. That, <laughs> think about that, dude. That's three barrels of beer per person in the United States. That's per person. Yeah. Three barrels of beer. So that means like even if you're consuming half of that, that means You're drinking a shitload of beers. I mean that's three hundred and ten everybody not nine hundred beers a year for not, you. Not even the drinking population. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I thought that was a little crazy. Um so I don't know uh exactly what they meant to say in that in that documentary, but that was something that I did notice was a little off. Yeah. Was it nine hundred barrels of beer or just of all alcohol? That they refer no, they, they referred to beer they said yeah. beer specifically yeah Damn. which that that raised a flag i was like wait a minute that seems a little yeah. a little nuts but. but
2: at any rate the idea the the point is is that beer i mean alcohol was like the leading industry like one of the big leading industries In, made more
0: money than the government spent right ex- about
2: the beer tax or, or not beer tax but alcohol tax comprised of 70% of the federal budget or the that's federal uh, internal revenue. 70%. That's yeah. huge.
0: And that's why a lot of people who were all their money is made from alcohol. Yeah. yeah. And, and they don't even sell it, they just tax it. Right. And and which is
2: why a lot of people in the wet movement were like so not fucking worried about
1: <laughs> prohibition. Prohibition exactly. because
2: the government is making all this money. They're not going to just shut that off, shut yeah. off that pipeline. Yeah,
1: they thought there was no way. I mean, they talk about Adolphus Bush for a little bit, um, and because the the brewers' like guild or whatever, like he was, uh, he was kind a, of like their leader. Exactly. So as the anti saloon league um, is gaining traction, Bush is like trying to prevent it at all costs. But it, he fucked up. He did fuck up. Is this because he was battling with the distillers? Yes. Yeah, a fucking exactly. idiot. Yeah, so brewers and distill like there was still this like thought that beer wasn't the bad guy here. And it was the high ABV, right. the alcohol, the liquor. You yeah, know what I mean? The spirits, that's the liquor, the spirits. <laughs> exactly. that That's what was driving men mad, right? Like, Oh, beer's safe. It's a, it's a health product. It, you know, it can be prescribed by your doctor and all this stuff. Liquid bread. Yep. Yeah. And, um, yeah, man, if, if they had allied, there may have been a chance that prohibition didn't get passed. Yeah. Maybe. You know what I mean? Because these movements were gaining a shit ton of traction. And one of the things that I think is probably the most important thing, uh, or or one of like, the key driving factors leading the government to pass prohibition, was in 1913, um, the U.S. ratifies the 16th Amendment, which um, establishes the income tax. Yeah. That's Bunch of bullshit. so fucking crazy, dude, if you think about that, right? They're getting ready. So, yeah, no, they're getting ready because you, because of all the money that alcohol tax brings in, you can't just get rid of that. Yeah. Like, there's no way the government would get rid of that without having something else that was going to supplement it. So they're like, well. So
2: with the ASL, they, they managed to push politicians into ratifying... The 16th Amendment.
1: That's correct, yes. So now the Anti-Saloon League's like, fuck it. Like, we, we got it, you know? You've got the Women's Christian Temperate Movement and the uh, the Anti-Saloon League marching on Washington to demand an amendment to the Constitution. Like, literally right after the 16th Amendment yeah. gets passed.
2: Now, at this time, in 1913, with, with the Anti-Saloon League and the WCTU, at this point, they have... Um, Georgia, Oklahoma, Maine, North Dakota, Kansas, Tennessee. Mississippi, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Virginia are all have a statewide prohibition. Yeah. Damn. Already. In addition to, there are, um, I think there was something, uh, I don't know if it was a federal law that passed, but it allowed um, counties to have like their own. Um, It's up to them if they want to have prohibition in their own states or Mm -hmm. cities or counties or something like that. Uh, But it was still federally legal to drink alcohol.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: So now WCTU, um, the ASL, they're basically fucking like hand in hand, marching through the streets up to the fucking down Washington to push. Yeah. For the 18th, 18th Amendment.
1: They've also are backed by two of, like, the biggest businessmen and Andrew Carnegie and Henry Ford, who were saying that they backed prohibition because it hurt their workers, because their workers weren't functioning properly, because they were all jacked up on alcohol. Yeah. And... I mean, you know that those guys, that, that was not the reason mm. they like throughout this whole undercurrent, there's this whole undercurrent here with the politicians in this whole story that like, they don't give a fuck. They're like, yeah, we got plenty of alcohol. We don't need to worry about it. Like if this it, there's, there's gotta be some other, there's some weird thing going on. You know what I mean? Under it's like, books, yeah. yeah. Do as I say, not as I do stuff and, and all this, all this jazz. Another key factor that was contributing as well was uh, World War I and uh, the anti-German sentiment, which is helping to yeah. couple, you know what I mean? Like, so Germans are associated with beer and bringing beer here, and all the biggest brewers in America at the time are German.
0: And they're, um, what, the, what was the beer association called? They spoke only German at the meetings. Oh yeah, yeah. So they didn't even speak English there. It was like a rule. Damn. Yeah, with with Which um, looks a little sketchy. When yeah, you- <laughs> yeah. <I mean>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it, yeah, like you said, with uh, the World War One, the Great War, and like the sinking of the Lusitania, and um, fucking basically, uh, yeah, like that. There was this whole like anti-German, German-American sentiments happening mm-hmm. with like the propaganda and everything like that, and. Because of that, I think they they mentioned this. Of dude, I know um, what you're gonna say. They 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 changed the name of sauerkraut to uh, liberty
1: cabbage. <laughs> you which, mean freedom fries, which is like fucking freedom fries? Exactly. That shit
0: happened like what was that,
1: 15 years ago? Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, I don't
0: even know how that started. Let's not get into it. But yeah. fucking freedom
2: dachshunds fries. were Cab. fucking stoned to death.
1: That's so insane. So and soon.
2: And fucking school children were burning their German language textbooks and everything yeah. like that?
1: Yeah, so we essentially have the perfect storm. There's so many little factors and things that and and big factors, obviously, that lead up to um the 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 eighteenth amendment. Right. Which
2: Well the the ASL and as part of like their whole and like you said, how brilliant they were with their their organizational structure and and what they, the tools that they used um, through the use of like that German propaganda, they basically, and their printing presses, they basically push the message that beer equals treason.
1: Oh my God. Yeah.
2: And, and so they, they spread this message around, especially at the time of war, everybody is so, um in any kind of wartime everybody's very hypersensitive and sort of oh yeah. Um every emotions are already so so fucking intense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that everybody wants to be a a model American and and, and support their country. Yeah. So when the ASL was pushing out this propaganda of beer is treason. Yep. So what are we gonna do about this? And that just fueled this entire like even more so yeah. It was crazy.
1: Yeah it's yeah it's so crazy how war ties into this at so many points along the way you know um but then it happens man they they bring the 18th amendment and it passes in the senate and the house and then it goes to the states to be ratified and on january 25th 1919 nebraska becomes the 36th state to ratify a year later the amendment goes into effect and <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's what funny how they, need? they, tell they you needed
2: them. the majority of the country to, to yeah. sway exactly that's right. what so,
0: happened so, with marijuana. So
1: with Nebraska, that they so yeah, essentially what you have if it passes if an amendment passes the Senate and it passes the House, then it goes to all the states, and then once a certain amount of states ratify, then it becomes an amendment to the Constitution. So after Nebraska becomes the 36th state to ratify, the amendment goes into effect a year later, and I was like. It goes into effect a year later. Why? So if Stock you up. read, if you read right now, I'm going to read the 18th Amendment Do as it. it was written. Um, there's three sections. I'm only going to read the first two sections. So section one, after one year from the ratification of this article, the manufacture, sale, or transportation of intoxicating liquors within, the importation thereof in two, or the exploration thereof from the United States and all territory subject to the jurisdiction, therefore, for thereof for beverage purposes is hereby prohibited. So essentially, it's making um, the manufacturer sale and transportation, um, import export like United States can't yeah. deal with that. However, nowhere in there does it say that people can can't consume alcohol. Right. And that's important. (laughs) Section two (laughs) is a little bit shorter. The Congress in several states shall have concurrent power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. That part is also very important because that plays a major role in why fucking prohibition was such a clusterfuck. Yeah, because who's fucking... Who's who's, who's 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 enforcing it? Exactly. (laughs) And I believe that it was written very specifically that way so that... It became a pain, yeah. Because there was, there was no way that they could fucking fund the, um, the enforcement of this law. Not with the amount of money that was
0: getting put into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. The mon- the alcohol sales is ridiculous. So, um the the alcohol industry in America was the fifth largest industry at the time. Try shutting it down. They did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like. Obviously, tons of Americans in the industry and also their related industries lose their jobs, right? Yeah. Like you've got to think about all the different like um, the the grape growers, the the, Grain the grains, glass the barrel makers, makers the barrel makers. There's so many. And then obviously bartenders and yep. all that stuff just all goes away.
0: So like everyone basically gets a warning one year from now like you can't buy alcohol anymore so there's like this crazy amount of let's empty the shelves and people are just buying shit Mm -hmm. to fill up like mostly rich people but they're filling their cellars they're filling their clubs oh yeah they said something on the documentary where like there's a lot of like private clubs Mm -hmm. there was a club that Got enough alcohol to support the drinking habit of their guys for fourteen years. I know. I think it was like a Yale social club. Fourteen yeah, years, yep. yeah. <laughs> which was the length, pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh it, yeah, we're good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they like. Oh, we know this thing's only going to be about thirteen years, so let's go fourteen <laughs> just in case. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I think. How I, much alcohol is that?
2: That's a fuck ton. It's a fuck ton. I think J. P. Morgan bought like a million bottles of champagne. And, and and it's like it's fucking crazy that's man. why
1: all those rich people and the politicians they didn't care Fuck they no. were like no. i'll just stock up and by the time i die it won't matter yeah
0: <laughs> just buying that much alcohol
1: yeah alcohol
0: is cheap i mean back in the day it was probably cheap too because it was everyone could drink it
1: but even now it's cheap Still. yeah i mean ge- yeah generally speaking like even if if you just if your goal is to just get drunk
0: yeah it's not that <laughs> it's not that bad yeah like i bought this is a side note but i just spent 200 bucks on alcohol and i didn't buy cheap alcohol i bought like the name brand booze bottles yeah and i probably bought like 14 liquor bottles like as a personal just for personal use that would get me drunk for like a year oh yeah definitely you know unless i had a real bad problem but Mm
1: -hmm. but like 14 bottles of liquor (laughs) yeah dude Yeah, yeah i don't know it's wild it's wild so now i mean we're we're in prohibition now guys we're in prohibition. We're in it. Fuck. Yeah. Here
0: goes. Uh, here goes everything. Can we drink during prohibition? Because I want to drink. Uh, fuck yeah! It's not. Oh, it's yeah. not
1: illegal. I just read the okay. amendment. Oh yeah, right. It's not yeah. illegal
0: to drink it. Yeah, as long as you have it, you can All right, drink. it. I'm gonna it. go grab a beer.
1: We have the passage of the Eighteenth Amendment, and just as what happened earlier in the small microcosms of prohibition bootlegging starts immediately Mm -hmm. and it was very profitable (laughs) dollar dollar bills oh man so much cash dude and and there was there's so much corruption there's i i i have to imagine that the aftershock of corruption that existed during prohibition still lasts to this day fuck yeah like it has to You know what I mean? Even though it was... All that
0: corruption is just, it's all their grandkids now. Oh, yeah. It really
1: is. Yeah. And dude, a hundred years ago, like, that's not that long ago. Literally, Prohibition started a hundred years ago. Exactly.
0: Yeah. 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 Why do you think there's so much corruption right now and greed? Oh, yeah. The 1% bullshit, it's all probably stemming off of this giant money-making machine. It's
1: definitely part of it, man. Like... The congressmen were literally passing the laws that were affecting the people, very specifically the Volstead Act, but they were still buying booze from the bootleggers. Bootleggers were literally delivering alcohol to to D.C. Yeah. (laughs) It's so and so. Like they did not care because they were basically immune to it. They know they could either be bought or they could get alcohol in some way or another. Yeah.
2: Or that they just wouldn't be charged with a crime
1: yeah yep, yeah it's it's insane man so on january 16th 1920 prohibition goes into effect um yeah and the 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 goal at least for some of these movements was to stop alcohol abuse and protect people's lives and it seemed like those things were happening there was a lot of people that chose not to drink alcohol because they didn't want to break the law or yeah. it, it not necessarily to not drink alcohol, but to just like, well, it's harder to get now. And if you didn't stock up or if your family didn't make it or any of that it's kind of stuff. It's not worth the
0: burden of getting in trouble. It's and- not
1: worth it. Yeah. Which that's things that happen today. People will choose, even if there's a law that exists, that's so dumb. It's like, yeah, oh, that's- you can't cross the street on Tuesdays for whatever reason. Like that's stupid, but there's plenty of people that would follow that law just because they don't want to be hassled. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. dude.
0: It's, it's, I see it all the time with marijuana. They passed marijuana in Massachusetts. It's legal now. People who didn't smoke weed before that, they just didn't smoke because it was illegal. Yeah. Now these people are just growing pot in their backyard, like, oh yeah, it's legal now. I'm going to grow and smoke it. No, exactly. My parents would ruin me every time they caught me with pot. I was growing pot all the time in high school, middle school. (laughs) They would make me flush it because it was illegal. And, you know, my fucking mom and dad don't care. They don't care at all now because it's legal. Oh, "Oh, it's legal now. It's whatever. Yeah. Fucking fat stacks. Plus, you're a grown-ass man now. Yeah,
1: but. Exactly. That's a little. (laughs) But still, like,
0: I'm just, like, doing tree work. There's a guy with, like, giant
1: bushes. Old man just, like, you know, trimming his pot plants. Yeah, yeah. And some of those guys were old hippies, but some of them weren't. They're just like, oh, let me, let me try this. It's legal now. (laughs) And then they're like, oh shit, this stuff's awesome. (laughs) And they're like, doesn't make the belly big. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Can't believe this was actually legal. This is stupid now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, It's crazy. And that's obviously where we're drawing the comparisons to reefer madness earlier. And that, you know, that marijuana is the gateway drug and so on and so forth. Yeah. But, um, so the, the, it's, we're entering a time where all these businesses have to shut down and some of them don't they turn to other means like you hear the stories of breweries that started to make soda or soft drinks near beers as they called them Mm -hmm. which there really wasn't a huge market for making one half of one percent was near beers exactly yeah which is nothing like you couldn't get drunk off probably what it is now yeah yeah Yeah.
2: (laughs) Didn't like Coca Cola stock like doubled and yeah. like soda consumption it, fucking went
0: I bet the sugar
2: haywire. trade went Ooh, it did way do. up
1: too. Yeah. There's there's all those these little things that happen that you wonder, like
0: I mean, I bet they, sugar like, stock if sugar stock existed, but sales of sugar probably yeah. skyrocketed. Oh yeah.
1: Like even like the just the Coca Cola thing, right? Like we're obviously we're in the twenties and we know we all know what happens at the end of the twenties, but um like things like the, yeah, the stock market, like, oh, well, we'll pass this law. And then we know that that's going to trigger certain industries to get an uptick. We own the stocks. Now our stock's going to go up. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're making the rich rich and the poor poor, you know? um right. But
0: like. Isn't it a thing too, in when you try to kick alcohol as an addiction, you have a sugar craving? That does happen to some
1: dude? people, um, right? Curious because of the there is a certain amount of sugar that's in beer so some people will try and replace that that yeah a little bit That i mean that depends on the kind of beer you're drinking it depends on if you're mixing your alcoholic beverages with sugary drinks mm. um but like some breweries made ice cream i know very yeah. famously yingling yingling had ice cream had right. ice cream um uh breweries also made cheese they made yeast they were using like the the right still some of the same machinery can be modified to to make these products
0: took advantage of their um refrigerating trucks right yeah and use those to deliver other whatever sodas Mm -hmm. and stuff yeah
2: it's clever man i mean i mean you you had to adapt or else you would you'd be done yeah That's, I mean, good on the Bush, Anheuser-Busch and fucking Yingling and all them for adapting for the times, man.
0: Mm -hmm. I read a thing where um, the, I think it it was Anheuser-Busch was, they figured out they could use their tanks to make dyes instead of beer. So they started using their tanks to make dye for like clothes and whatever. And Uh. then the people, and then the companies who were making dye already, just stopped making dye, and they just started making illegal alcohol, and they used them to make use stills. No scales. way, dude! Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they flip flopped. Was that because like the like the beer breweries had bigger vessels? Probably. So they, they made the dye. They ended up making the dye cheaper. So then the other ones are like, "Oh fuck!" These so they just started men- <laughs>
0: making illegal alcohol. So they basically changed roles. That's <laughs> so wild. dude.
1: And that's the thing about this
2: man. You know, you they passed uh, the Eighteenth Amendment, and. When, went into effect a year later and next thing you know more and more Americans are turning to crime they're I they're fucking sure. they're converting their businesses to, to making stills in the, uh, in the woods and shit and fucking moonshiners and
0: bootleggers I mean imagine yeah. doing something so regularly like every day and now they're like you know what that's against the law now and if you like are a, just a little stubborn you're like I'm not going to change my ways now you're a criminal yeah. by either purchase, purchasing it or selling it. You know, it's crazy. Imagine they just made driving cars illegal. Like, well, you know what? Driving cars is illegal. you are like, well, how am I going to get to
1: work? Yeah, well, people are still going to drive cars. I'm going to drive my car to work. And But that that's what I was saying earlier about the problem of enforcement. It's like they knew people were still going to drink alcohol. And they still knew yeah. people were going to transport alcohol and all this stuff. And whether, like... I don't know if they were just blind to it or they didn't care, but think about if you had to enforce that. Like today, if you had to really enforce it, it would be such a gigantic shit show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of similar to the gun, the arguments for the gun laws in, in the United States. Whatever side you're on, but just think about if they said, "All right, all the guns are gone." Yeah, just think about that if they passed way that law. would be way more law. dangerous, <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously because of the nature of what guns are. But but like, just think about what it would cost them to enforce yeah. that, and how many resources would be sapped. So going back to the alcohol, that's right. exactly what happened. So they they couldn't keep up with having to enforce you know the stuff against the Plus people, the briberies. Notice. Oh, I mean, it's It was yeah. ridiculous. Definitely. We'll definitely get to the briberies. There's yeah. a shitload of them. <laughs> but um, these people who ignored prohibition and drank anyways were known as the scofflaws.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, was that in New
1: England? So- um, They did that pool, right? There was a, a, a nationwide competition nationwide, to okay. create a new word for the lawless drinker with a prize of $200 in gold. That's pretty cool, yeah.
0: It's a sick prize. And two people tied for
1: first. I know two people <laughs> sent in the same exact word because wasn't a word before then, so those dudes had to split the prize. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> Fucking bullshit, <laughs> right?
0: Each get a hundred dollars worth of gold. Exactly. <laughs> they should do more prizes with just gold.
1: Oh, definitely. That'd be cool, but yeah, here's like five hundred dollars worth of gold. Exactly. Pouch of gold coins. So the the big problem here, or one of the big problems here was that, so we have this amendment, right? As we outlined before what it does, but the big thing, the law that was passed was the Volstead Act, mm. and that's what was to be enforced, right?
0: And what that brought down alcohol, because before that, beer was allowed, Right. So yes, exactly al- any alcohol was allowed under like three something
1: so that was the thing when it was thought when the um, uh, when the eighteenth amendment was passed that it didn't necessarily affect low alcohol beers, but that was not the case because of the Volstead act
2: and that's the thing and that's an important note with a lot of <clears throat> a lot of people who actually supported prohibition mm-hmm. People who signed the petitions, who who joined up at the rallies, who I mean, even people who aren't weren't even necessarily in touch or was any kind of like hard charging temperance activist, people got on board because they just assumed that beer and light wine and all that stuff would be okay.
0: Yeah, like, they're like, oh yeah, man, it's it's just whiskey, like hard liquor. You can still drink beer; that's not a big deal. Right? I'm like, oh okay.
2: So that they were like on board, thinking that that was the idea.
0: No. (laughs) Turns out that's not the idea. Yeah. And it was intoxicating liquids. Intoxicating beverages. Yeah. So I I think antifreeze, there was like a whole bunch of stuff they had to like redo. Oh, that's crazy. It was like anything that could intoxicate you as a as a as a drink. So there was like I wanna say there was like There was like antifreeze in there. There was something with a lot of medical stuff that had to be um, rewritten in the law. Sacrificial wines for churches Mm -hmm. were allowed.
1: Yeah. So, so the what the Volstead Act was was um, it was this bill, and it was actually vetoed by Woodrow uh, Woodrow Wilson. Oh, really? On largely technical grounds. More specifically, because it covered wartime prohibition, but his veto was overridden by the House on the same day, and then on the next day by the Senate. So the they fast tracked it. They fast tracked it. So now the the three purposes of the Volstead Act were to prohibit prohibit intoxicating beverages. To regulate the manufacture, production use, and sale of high-proof spirits for other than beverage purposes. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. And then to ensure an ample supply of alcohol and promote its use in scientific research and in the the development of fuel dye and other lawful industries. Yeah. But it further stated that no person shall, on or after the date when the 18th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States goes into effect, manufacture, sell, barter, transport, import, export, deliver, furnish or possess, possess. any in- possess any intoxicating li- liquor except as exact as <laughs> <laughs> as authorized in the act and all provisions of the act be liberally construed to the end of that use of intoxicating liquor as a beverage may be prevented. So in it, in it defined intoxicating liquor as any beverage containing a half of a percent or more alcohol by volume yeah
0: so back in the day antifreeze had alcohol in it mm-hmm. so they could put whiskey right into your car
1: to prevent your car from freezing over and like you said the extremely low limit on the allowed alcohol content in the volstead act banned wine and beer and took the country by surprise even prohibition supporters Also, like you said, because they were like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Like we thought, like you were saying, people want to be upstanding citizens. They want to abide by the law. They could get behind the actual 18th Amendment. they were like, all right, we're slowing down our drinking, but it's not like the end.
0: You can still make wine at your house
1: and you can still drink if
0: you wanted to. You can still
1: homebrew. You can still. Now you can't do none of that.
0: Yeah. So I saw a funny ass loophole in this with the churches and they were still allowed to drink sacrificial wine. That's correct, yeah. But then <laughs> it skyrocketed, skyrocketed to like over a million barrels of wine sold the next year for sacrificial wine mm-hmm. at churches. Yeah. And I don't I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something like like this sacrilegious this is this isn't sacrificial wine anymore It's sacrilegious Yes yeah. Or something like that Yeah The, the term is sacramental it. Sacramental Yes Yeah
1: Yeah
2: Yeah. So there was only There was a couple of legal ways To obtain alcohol And drink alcohol In the country at this time Exactly <clears throat> Like you said With For re- religious and yep. Things like that It was It was perfectly legal um, as, as part of ceremony Or religious ceremony Mm-hmm Another part was, is medicinally, doctors could prescribe alcohol for medicinal purposes. Yep. And so you could basically go in for an injury. Maybe you have uh, uh, fucking walking pneumonia or some shit. Doctors would prescribe um, whiskey prescriptions. Take one to two shots of whiskey (laughs) every single night before bed. Here you go. (laughs) <laughs> and and you know at the beginning in the beginning of prohibition, over fifteen thousand doctors had applied for permits to prescribe medical alcohol damn and um yeah man i mean you you could basically just fake any kind of fucking injury and you they want. did, well,
1: and they yeah. I mean that's similar to uh, you know, a few years ago when they passed medicinal oh, marijuana hey, yeah, everywhere. Right, you know fr- I got headaches. Yeah. <laughs> right. It hurts when I pee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Um yeah. I there was another part um that I heard about like this actually kinda led to like the Walgreens Corporation or the Walgreens drugstore to fucking be able to expand like fucking like several hundred different um, operations because Mm -hmm. of the medical. There was money
1: in that.
0: There was money to be made. There's so many companies. making. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So I mean, people were trying to take advantage of anything, any, any any loophole. And then some were just straight up breaking the law and were like, well, fuck it. I'll just, I'll bribe the cops. I'll bribe the you know, local officials. And they I'll, did and they did that, man. It, this was one of the crazy examples of um, just that was this guy in Manhattan, okay, in midtown Manhattan opened up stores like these weren't like underground speakeasies or anything like that these were on the street stores it
2: was like cordial shops or something he called
1: cordial shops yeah 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 and it looked like it was a place where you could go to buy like soda and stuff and when you went inside you just be like yo i want a bottle of liquor like here you go <laughs> yeah and it was like all right so and that was a store that existed. like so i that- wonder if the prices
0: just went crazy high too like get price gouging like a bottle of liquor might have cost like 50 cents or 25 cents, but now it's illegal. Now it's a dollar.
1: W- yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. With the amount
2: it's... of money that was coming in that bootleggers were making, Must the prices had to have been inflated.
1: And, and, but also, those bootleggers aren't paying tax because they're not selling alcohol. That's true. <laughs> you know yeah, what I right. mean? right. Like so, they're 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 making out like totally. Which instead of paying taxes, they're using that money. Oh, a cop comes in. What the hell have you guys got in here? Oh, take this bottle of soda, sir, and also some here's money. a thousand
0: dollar bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. And then
1: they they continue going on their way, man. They had thousand dollar bills back then. So with all of these people that were breaking the law, now there needed to be some kind of body that was it couldn't just fall on the cops, right? Like. The cops actually have to deal with other. Th- That's the thing is, right. like You either expand the police force or you have to have something. So they opened up the, the the Bureau of Prohibition, and they created a ton of jobs, and a lot of people were eager to take those jobs because they knew that they could take bribes and make even more money. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like they like there were some people that took those jobs and they were honest, hardworking people, and they would actually, like, bust people on prohibition. But most of them were just like, well, <laughs> you know, I can make a little bit more money Fuck if I did it take bribes. Because a lot of people are giving out bribes right now. Yeah. I mean, it was I, funny
0: how they got caught later like i think they like fired like 60 percent of the force like the first year right because of all Cause, the bribes they were taking because yeah. they
2: started to show up to work in like yeah. fur, fur coats and fucking expensive cars and shit oh yeah, yeah. like totally can't afford that wage uh, on our fucking wage no. yeah no
1: that was funny i saw a picture of that guy he looked like a pimp baller i was like dang Dude, so think about like all the crime and the bribery and everything. And so your police resources are sapped, even on top of, because obviously the Bureau of Prohibition isn't doing the job correctly. So if the police resources are sapped, if the courts are overwhelmed, that's definitely allowing for other criminals, like, because think about all the crime that's just specifically related to prohibition activities, right? But there's still all sorts of other crime that happens related to other things
2: murder robberies art theft i don't know man but like, <laughs> a, other lot like yeah, a lot of art theft exactly. yeah exactly a lot of like, peer
1: despero <laughs> happening exactly It it's so insane it's just you hit, there's just countless stories of judges and cops and investigators all taking bribes because there was a shitload of money to be made man everyone was getting bribed yeah everybody
0: moonshine was so damn strong it was good though i want some
1: more of it i can't believe you guys are drinking moonshine during (laughs) like legit moonshine it was legit it was
2: legitimate moonshine tasted legit can't tell you where we got it from no but yeah
1: it was good yeah it was good and did we actually mention that ham was dressed up for this episode in the episode we didn't
2: well they'll see in the picture yeah we got i mean it's a it's an okay picture
1: I didn't see the picture.
2: (laughs) I was in a pinstripe suit. Three-piece, baby. Gangster.
1: Mm. Yeah. He was looking pretty sharp. Sipping
2: moonshine.
0: Yep. Ugh, my head hurts so much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, too much. So, QC portion of the episode, quality control. It's where we do our fact checks. And, uh, Seth, what do you got?
1: So, I only have one thing for History of Beer Part 6 Prohibition Side A. (laughs) And that was Daniel Okrent. He's the guy that was responsible for the book that influenced the documentary that we watched, that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Correct. And he indeed was in the documentary. (laughs) (laughs) So did you look up anything else on Daniel Okrent and like who he was? No, no. So that dude's actually pretty interesting. And he's credited with something called Okrant's Law, which states that the pursuit of balance can create imbalance because sometimes something is true. And that refers to the phenomenon of the press providing legitimacy to unsupported fringe viewpoints in an effort to appear even-handed.
0: Whoa. Whoa.
1: Yeah so that, that's it seems pretty deep and i was actually reading some people's opinions on whether or not that law actually stands and whether right. or not it actually means anything um and we could do like a mini episode on just <laughs> okrin's law Okren's law yeah that would be cool um he also invented fantasy baseball
2: no way
1: yeah no he didn't yes he did fucking weird <laughs> yeah so he apparently wrote books on baseball, and then he must have been a huge baseball fan because he invented fantasy baseball.
2: <laughs> so was that like the start of fantasy sports? Did it start with fantasy baseball? I football.
1: Right? I didn't go that deep. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. yeah I don't want to QC, but I just, QC. But... I just thought that was crazy, man. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He was my second favorite historian on the uh, within that documentary. It was... Yeah. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. yeah that's all I got i got nothing james mm, nothing
1: all right cool well um definitely listen to part two or side b side b when that comes out in a couple of weeks because we'll wrap all this up and it was a good one mm-hmm. indeed yeah.
0: more to come more to come oh yeah guys don't forget to check us out on all our social media we got facebook don't forget to follow us on facebook like us on instagram you know Re- rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, man. We need, we need all the reviews. I want to see five star reviews from everybody who's listening. Thanks, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. Sausage Candles.